Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Psalm, Psalm 51. That's where we'll be this morning. Psalm 51, we'll start there anyway. We'll be in various other passages after this. We're going to start in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a prayer that David prayed after his sin with Bathsheba, after ordering the death of her husband Uriah on the front battle lines. Um, he finally got right with God. And the thing that sometimes we, we forget about is that when when we're not right with the Lord, we, in, in, in this case, in, in David's case, he said, take not my, thy Holy Spirit from me. That's in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came and went. Today, in the, in the, the New Testament era and the age of grace, that's not the case. The Bible says when you trust Christ as Savior, that you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1 says that you're sealed. It says that, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you. And, and Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But there is something that can go. You know, uh, well, I heard a message one time by, by Dr. Ruckman when he preached about uh, what the devil can take from you. He can't take your salvation, but he can take a whole bunch of stuff. And he can cause you to lose your, your, your joy, and he can uh, cause you to lose your, your, your compassion, and he can, can, can cause you to uh, lose a concern for others. And on, just on and on it went, your influence and so forth. Well, one of the things that, that uh, we can lose is we can't lose God, we can't lose the Spirit of God, but we can lose the presence of the power of God. That's possible. In other words, uh, just going through the motions and, and really not having the power of God in your life. David understood that, and that, that's really incorporated in his prayer. Let's all stand together, if you would. And look with me, beginning in verse 10, and we'll read verses 10 through 13. It says, Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask God that you might be with us in a special way and speak to our hearts through your word this, this morning. Help us to see the importance of having the power of God in our lives. Just because we might be saved and have trusted you as Savior and know that our sins are forgiven and that, they're, uh, that we're on our way to heaven, that is no guarantee that the power of God is flowing through our lives. And it's easy, Lord, for us to, to just go through the motions or to get into a pos position where, where the Spirit of God is with us. That's always the case for a saved person. But the power of that Spirit is absent. And Lord, boy, if there's one thing we need today as individuals, as Christians, as a church, 
We need the power of God on our lives. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to see these things this morning and speak to our hearts as you do so. And as we see and you reveal to us needs that we might have, I pray, Father, that you'd help us to act upon those things and get right with you. We pray for anyone that might be here this morning without Christ as Savior. Most important decision that anyone could ever make is, is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ for, their, for the salvation of their souls. God, I pray that if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice, whether it be here in the sanctuary or whether it be online, and they do not know Christ as Savior, God, please work on their heart and may today be the day of their salvation. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. David, David uh, made it very clear in verses 12 and 13. He said, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Why? Because that had left. That was gone. The power of God was not there anymore. And therefore, he could not do verse 13 in an effective way. Verse 13 says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. What, what had happened? Well, the thing that happened is, is the, the power of God was absent from his life. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3. And I don't think that there is a passage of Scripture that lately I've heard quoted more than I've heard 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the last, and not only have I quoted it a lot, but I've heard other preachers quote it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, look with me beginning in verse 1. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I believe we're there. Okay, we're living in it. Uh, this is not the tribulation. That's something in the future after the rapture takes place. But, but, but the, the, the perilous times are now. It says in verse, verse 2, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. And notice verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Uh, folks, we don't just want to have a form of godliness. We want to have the power of God on our lives. And it's necessary for us to have the power of God in our lives, especially in these days. Uh, there has been, in, in, in my lifetime, there's never been a time period that over this last year, I've never seen another year like it, another year, year and a half like it, where I've seen uh, the amount of confusion that I'm seeing today. Uh, the amount of indecision that I'm seeing today. The amount of, of, of sin that I'm seeing today. And because all those things are swirling around us, it is absolutely imperative that we get plugged into the power of God for our personal lives. And with that in mind, I want us to take a look this morning at, at four illustrations 
of, of people in Scripture that were separated from the presence of the power of God. Uh, and, and these are folks that believed. I'm not talking about someone who has not trusted Christ as Savior. Now, if you're here this morning, or if you're under the, you're under the sound of my voice on, on the Internet, and you've not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that is the single most important decision that you need to make. You need to, to realize you're a sinner on your way to hell and repent of your sin and believe on Jesus Christ and trust him and him alone as your Savior. You can't do any works. You can't do any, bapti any baptism. To, it can't save you. Uh, no, no good works can save you. The only thing that can save you is the blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all sin and trusting what he did on the cross and his death, his burial, and then his resurrection, and trusting him and him alone as Savior. But if you are saved, it is imperative that the power of God be on your life on a day-by-day -day basis. And we're going to take a look at, at, at four people in Scripture that, uh, that, had, that were separated from, from that power of God because of some things that they did. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was, is the father of the Jewish nation, and God gave to him uh, promises in Genesis 12, and then gave him a command. And basically his command was, I'm going to lead you and guide you and direct you. I want you to separate yourself from your family, and I'm going to show you where I would have you to go. And so uh, you... you if you look with me in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And he says, I'm going to show it to you. He says, I'm going to show you where it is I want you to go. Now you, you go down to verse 7, and it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram, and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And the Lord appeared unto him and he gave him some instructions. He spoke to him. If, if you uh, uh, go up to verse, back up a little bit to verse 4, it says, so, God, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. So the Lord spoke to Abram, and he moved accordingly to what God told him to do. Down in verse 10, it says, And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So a famine hit. He was following God. He was doing what God told him to do. And he finds himself right smack dab in the middle of a famine. And uh, so he looks to Egypt where he can get some sustenance and decides that he's going to go there. Now, here's the problem. The problem is God never told him to go to Egypt. God did not lead him there. And he went of his own accord. And uh, uh, rather than trusting God and waiting for God's instruction, he went ahead and, and moved ahead of God and went down into Egypt. Now, if, if, as you study your Bibles, you'll find that Egypt is a, a picture of the world. And uh, 
uh, you don't find answers for life in the world. And yet he went, he went down into Egypt. And all the time that he was in Egypt, he never one time hears from God. In fact, the next time that God speaks to, to Abram is after he's left Egypt. And if you look in chapter 13, look down in verse 14. It says, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. Up until that point, from the time he left the path that God had set him on and gone down to Egypt and then came back out, in between that time, there was no word from God. There was no leading. There was no directing. The power of God had left his life. And he, he did not have that power uh, actively working in his life. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 2, it says, He that hasteth with his feet sinneth. And what he did was basically he got, he got ahead of God. Don't, you know, be careful about acting before you know that God is in it. Uh, make sure that you get some direction from his word. Make sure that, that you are doing what God would have you to do. So many times we simply lose the power of God because we take matters into our own hands. And rather than waiting for God to work in our lives and waiting for God to show himself strong in our behalf, we go ahead and just step out and do what we think is, is, the, is the solution to our problem. And we, we make mistakes. I, the, more, I've made many more uh, mistakes that have, have, have left uh, a lot of wounds and bruises by going too soon rather than being too hesitant or too patient. Uh, I, I'm, not so sure, I'm not so sure being too patient has ever been my problem, and I, I doubt if it's ever been yours either. Uh, but uh, but we, we need to, to wait for God. We make many mistakes by, by just acting too soon. Uh, Jacob did that. Jacob, listen, Jacob was going to be blessed by God. But what he did was he connived and finagled and he lied to his father and acted like he was his brother and, and stole his blessing. Now, you say, yeah, but if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't done that, God would have taken care of it. I am convinced of that, absolutely, without, without a doubt in my mind. Because God said that he was going to bless Jacob, period. That's all there is to it. But Jacob took it into his own hands. And I, you know, I can't speak for you, but I can certainly speak for me. I can show you many a mess that I have made over the years because I did what I thought I needed to do rather than waiting for God to give me clear instruction. Take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Psalm 27. Put one finger in Psalm 27 and just go to Psalm 27. Well, we'll go to the other ones here. You don't need to put a finger anywhere. Let's go to Psalm 27. We're close enough. Psalm 27, look with me in verses uh, 13 and 14. Psalm 27. 
verses 13 and 14. Verse 13 says, I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, those are, those are wonderful words to take to our hearts, especially in, the, the, in these days. Um, there are pressures, there are people trying to pressure you to do things and get things accomplished. Uh, COVID has, has, you know, COVID, COVID has brought out uh, some good in some Christian folks and in other folks has brought out, uh, you know, what's really going down, on, down deep in the heart and it's not too pretty. Um, it's, it's so important that we wait upon the Lord and not get ahead of him. Uh, go to, go to uh, Psalm 37, over just a couple of pages. Psalm 37, and look down at verse 34 with me. Psalm 37, 34. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. In other words, God's saying, listen, I want to be strong in your behalf. I want, I'm going to take care of you. You just have to wait on me. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs 20. And in Proverbs 20, look with me down in verse 22. Proverbs 20 and verse 22. Proverbs 20:22 says, Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. And again, uh, there have been so many times when we act before God would have us to act, and we would do things that God was not necessarily in. And when we do those things, we separate ourselves from the presence of the power of God. Now, again, I'm not saying we are separating ourselves from God. God says he'll never leave the, a Christian. He'll never forsake a Christian. He is in you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But you can be separated from his power. You can't be separated from his person, but you can be separated from his power. Now, you look at what, what Abraham did and it looks like he came out fairly unscathed. There was almost a problem with, uh, with the, uh, his wife being defiled, but that didn't happen. And God, God did watch over them and take care of them, even in Egypt. But, but he didn't speak to them, and he didn't have that power. Uh, what, are, what are some prices that Abraham paid? Well, it gave Lot a taste for the world. And so when he, just, when he was given the decision of which way to go, he pitched towards Sodom. Well, by the time uh, God was ready to destroy Sodom, he wasn't pitched toward it anymore. He was right smack dab in the middle of it. And he ended up losing some of his family. Uh, actually, really, he lost all of his family in one way or another. And it's, it's uh, uh, because he had that, that taste for Egypt, that taste for the world. Uh, Abram acquired Hagar, and uh, Hagar was the, the handmaid that Sarah said, listen, we haven't had a child yet. God promised a child. You should just go through, through Hagar. Well, we have Arabs today, and that's the line, 
because of Hagar. Where'd they pick up Hagar? They picked her up in Egypt. Um, he lost time. And one thing that you can never get back is the time that you lose. When you lose time, you can't get it back. And during that whole time, he did not hear from God. You know, there, I, I'm convinced, you know, we talk about the fact that there are times in the Christian life when the heavens are, seem to be brass. You know, sometimes that's not God with, withholding uh, himself just to uh, eventually prove himself strong on our behalf. It's, it's, sometimes he's, holding, he's withholding his power and is speaking to us because we're not in the right place because we've taken things into our own hands and rather than trusting and relying upon him. The second one that I want you to look at, go with me to the book of Judges. Judges, the second fellow that was separated from the presence of the power of God was a guy by the name of, a guy by the name of Samson. And uh, Samson, to me, is an enigma. Uh, you know, on one hand, he had the power of God all over him, uh, but then the power of God just totally left him. And God was very patient. You know, uh, you, you hear people talk about, you know, God in the Old Testament was, was uh, impatient with his people, and, and uh, he was hard on folks. And, man, you're not really, a, a person who starts talking like that, they have not read the Scriptures. The truth of the matter is, God was extremely patient with Israel. God was extremely patient with Samson. And he dealt with him and worked with him and tried to get him to go in the right direction. And finally, there was just a line drawn and he'd gone too far and he stepped over the line. You know, here's the thing. Uh, be careful. Uh, you can, you can, you know, God will be patient with you. God will be patient with me. But there's a point where he says, look, you're not paying attention. I'm drawing the line. You say, preacher, where is that line? It's different for each person. And if you go, you go to somebody's life and say, oh, I see where the line was. The line was here. Eh, it might have been the line for Samson. It might not be the line for you. The line might be a whole lot closer than it was for him. So, so be careful of that. But look with me in Judges uh, chapter 16. And Samson goes through a whole bunch of things in his life, and he ends up in the lap of a harlot. And she tries to get out from him uh, the, the source of his strength. And in, in Judges, and he was a, a Nazarite, taking a Nazarite vow, and, and therefore had never cut his hair. In Judges chapter 16... Look in verse uh, 15 with me, if you would. Judges, Judges 16. Get on the right page here. Verse 15. It says, And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And what he, what he did was, she asked him, Where does your, your strength lie? And he lied to her. He lied to her three different times. Verse 16, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. That means he nagged, she nagged him to death. That's what that's talking about there. She just bugged him so much. It was his soul vexed unto death. Verse 17, then, uh, then he told her all his heart and said unto her, 
There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and, and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and he caused, she caused him to, to, to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. Now, this next, this next sentence is one of the saddest sentences in all of Scripture. It says, And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He had no idea that the power of God had been separated from him. And, and what it was was that Samson had unconfessed sin in his life. And he played with it, and he played with it, and he played with it. And finally, he crossed the line. And when he crossed the line, he got his hair cut, and the, pre and the presence of the power of God left his life. And uh, you don't find anywhere in Scripture where, where there's really a heartfelt, repentant prayer by, by Samson. Uh, he lived to please himself. And uh, he, he defied his parents. He told his parents, he pointed to a, a heathen girl and said, get her to me to wife. He defiled his body. He touched a dead lion and broke his Nazarite vow. Uh, he he uh, uh, played with sin over and over again. And here he's in the lap of a harlot. And when he did that, he crossed the line and God said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done dealing with you. I'm done being patient with you. Uh, I'm, I, the power, the presence of the power of God is, is taken from you. And he lost it. Uh, in... in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 31, it's a, a chapter that deals with the Lord's Supper. And they were, they were using the Lord's Supper wrongly, and God wanted the Lord's Supper to be a, a, a tool that, that they would use for judging themselves and getting their hearts right with him. And, and the, the, the verse says, if we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. Well, the problem is, is that Samson was given the opportunity to judge himself, and he didn't. And so, therefore, he was judged, and he lost the power of God in his life. What, what price did he, did, he, did he pay? Man, he paid a huge price. He lost his strength. He lost his eyesight. He lost his liberty. He was taken, and he was bound, and he was turned, basically, into just the, the job of an, of an animal, of grinding meal. He, he uh, lost his liberty. He lost the ability to be used of God. He lost his ministry. He lost his testimony. And eventually, 
he ended up losing his life by pulling everything down upon him and also the enemies of Israel. But the point is, is that, that uh, he, because he played with sin, there came a point where God drew the line and said, okay, that's it. The power of God is being removed from your life. And he lost all those things because he lost God's power. Uh, go with me to, to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Here's another one. And each one of these is drastically different. Um, Abraham is really was nothing as an individual, was nothing like Samson. And, and Samson and Abraham were nothing like the man we're going to look at right now. Uh, his name is Levi, or, or excuse me, Eli. First uh, Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter 3, look in verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, then, uh, wrong book, hang on. Let me get on the right page here. First Samuel chapter 3, verses, uh, verses 1 through 4. It says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Now, Eli was the, was the high priest, and uh, uh, he had Samuel, and he was taking care of Samuel, and training him for the ministry. says there was no, no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the, in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. The, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. Now God spoke to the child Samuel rather than speaking to Eli the priest. Why? Because the power of, of God had left Eli. The power of God was upon Samuel, even as a little boy, and remained on him throughout his life and ministry. Now, the, the reason why, why Eli was separated from the presence of the power of God uh, was, was because of several things. First of all, he didn't restrain his sons uh, from doing evil, from doing wrong. He had the power to do so. He was the priest. And, and uh, others were watching him, and others were viewing the fact that, that he did not have his own family in control. You go over to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and verses 4 and 5 talk about uh, what are the qualifications of a pastor? What's the qualifications of a bishop? And it says that he needs to have his own house in order. Uh, why is that so important? Because that's, uh, it's important for us to have our house in order because that is connected to the power of God in our lives. God limits uh, our service for him and limit, limits the influence that we can have for him if our families aren't doing right, it's so important for fathers and it's so important for mothers uh, to fulfill their responsibilities in the home. And I'll go so far as to say uh, every person in the home, whether it's uh, fathers, mothers, or children, need to do the responsibilities that are necessary within the home in order to have the power of God on their life. Now, what, what price was paid because he did not do that, because he didn't restrain his sons? 
Well, he, he lost both Hophni and Phinehas. God had them killed, and he had them killed in one day. He lost his ministry, and he eventually lost his life. And it, take your Bibles and look with me at 1 Samuel 2 and verse 17. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 17. Wherefore the sin of the young men, that's his two sons, was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Uh, they abhorred the offering of the Lord because of his two sons, because of what they were doing with it, because he would not restrain them. And anytime that happens, not only is the power of God lifted from our lives when we don't, don't maintain our responsibilities, but it also affects others, and it causes others to have a, a skewed idea uh, or, or uh, uh, skew impre a skewed impression of the Christian life and, and what, what God can and will do if we'll allow him to do so. The, the, the fourth one I want you to look with, with me at this morning is over in your New Testament, and that's in Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, look down in verses 40 through 45. This is the account of, of uh, when Jesus was 12 years old, his parents went to Jerusalem, and they worshipped there, and then they went to leave, and when they left, Jesus was not with them. He stayed in the temple, and they did not know that. And they thought he was with them. And then he found out, they found out later that he was not. And in Luke chapter 2, look in verse, uh, look with me down in verse 40. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. It says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, speaking of Jesus, and, and uh, filled with, with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. They thought he was there, but he wasn't. You ever, you ever thought you had the power of God? You thought you had, had, uh, had the, the, uh, the presence of his power in your life, and then you realize, wait a minute, it's not there. We have, you know, again, that goes back to that verse that says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Um, why did they lose the presence of the power of God? Why did they lose the presence of Jesus? Uh, he, was, he was there in, in, uh, in, in the temple rather than with them on the road. Well, first of all, I think serving became routine to them. They were going through the motions. They were, they were doing what they knew that they were supposed to do, had to do. And uh, they weren't really paying attention to God. Isn't it, isn't it 
something that is very easy to fall into. It's to go through the motions, come to church, read your Bible, uh, pray, give, uh, uh, you know, spend time witnessing, and just, just become, it becomes a routine, and we forget that we so desperately need the power of God while we do all those things. And, uh, it, you know, it says in verse 41 that they went every year. It says in verse 42, they went after the custom. And it says in verse 43, they had fulfilled the days. So they were doing all the things that they were supposed to do. But they had lost the sense of the presence of, of God in their lives. And Jesus was, was, still, was still in the temple. They, they assumed that they were doing the right things. And, and uh, you can do the right things, but not have the presence of the power of God in your life. And uh, when, they, when they finally did look for, for him, they looked for him in the wrong places. And often we do the same things. We look for the power of God to be restored, and God wants us to look at something particular in our life that needs to be taken care of, and we look in the wrong places. What was lost when they did this? Well, they lost three days. And again, because they went three days out, then they finally realized after three days that Jesus was not with them. They went back. He was found right back where they left him. And, you know, that, that's a tremendous lesson for me because I, I've, I've seen this. I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this in the life of others. We get off the track we're going down the, 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 the road, we're going the right way in the right direction with the right heart, with the right spirit. And then something gets, gets off. You might still be doing the right things, but the love of God has kind of left your heart. It's not the love of God that's constraining you anymore. You're doing it out of duty. Uh, maybe uh, your compassion for others has dropped, but you're still going through the routine, We're still going through the motions. We need to be so very, very careful uh, that, that, that we do that. And, and uh, when we see that that's what we left, that's where we got off the track, we need to go right back to the very place where we got off and get back on there. Not somewhere else, but go right back to that, that place and get that thing right. Uh, where you got off the track is where you need to get back onto the track. And if we don't do that, then the, the presence of the power of God is not restored in our lives. And we just continue to spin our wheels. We live in a day and age when, when and, and really, it, this has been true forever, but it just seems to be impressed upon my heart, and I hope it is on yours, that, that uh, uh, we just need to be very circumspect about, about what we do in life. And we need to be very, very cognizant of the presence of God in our lives. Um, you know, I, I've, I've believed since I got saved that the Lord could come at any time. And, and it's obvious, because that was over 50 years ago when I trusted Christ as Savior, that his, his coming obviously is closer today than it's ever been before. But I don't think we sometimes realize just how close it might be. I mean, it could be today, literally. Uh, everything is lined up. You look at the world today, and things are just lined up. 
uh, you say, yeah, you know, uh, we're, we're definitely living in the last days. We're definitely living in perilous times. All the more reason to know that you have the power of God in your life. First of all, are you saved? Do you know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven? If you don't know that for sure, we're going to give an invitation in just a moment. And I'd like to encourage you to, to come forward and to take my hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. We'll have someone take the word of God and show you how you can get that thing settled. I would not, if I, if I was sitting here today uh, and did not have the absolute total assurance of eternal life, I would not let another day go by without getting that thing settled. It is so, so important. And then, then secondly, do you live by the power of God? Is the power of God obvious in your life if you're saved? Uh, do, you, do you act before you should? Or do you wait upon the Lord? Do you take matters into your own hands? Or do you wait for him to act? Do you have sin in your life that hasn't been confronted, that hasn't been confessed and forsaken? You need to take care of that because if you don't, the power of God will be lifted. Uh, are, you, are you fulfilling your responsibilities to your family? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such an important thing for fathers particularly, and fathers and mothers both, but oftentimes what I find is that the, the fathers are not doing what they're supposed to do. I, I trust that the, the dads in our church are having family devotions with their family and are leading their families in the, in the right way and make sure that they come to church and make sure that, you know, we, we, had, we had the blessing of having our, our uh, grandkids in our home for a few days this week. And uh, they stayed overnight and one of my grandsons got up in the morning and uh, I saw him at the breakfast table. And uh, I said, uh, I, I asked him, I, it was Carson. And I said, Carson, I says, I got a question for you. He says, what's that, Grandpa? Or Papa, he calls me Papa. He says, what's that, Papa? I says, have you read your Bible and have you prayed today? And man, he got a great big smile and said, yes, sir. He says, I sure have. That might have brought, brought joy to his heart, but I'm telling you what, it made, my, it made my heart burst with joy. It really did. You know why? Because evidently there's some parents that are doing what they're supposed to be doing in the home. And that's a good thing. We need to fulfill our responsibilities with our family. And then are you just going through the motions? Or is the power of God evident? Now take your Bibles and we're going to close with this. First, First Corinthians chapter 2. To read this verse and I am done. First Corinthians chapter 2. And look with me in verses 3 through 5. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Apostle Paul never, never claimed to be uh, a great orator. He said he had problems with his speech. He never claimed to be uh, have a strong physical presence. He was, very, he was very weak at times. And yet, I don't think there's any doubt that the power of God was all over him. And you look with me in verses 3 through 5. It says, and Paul's speaking, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. 
And my speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. My, my last question for you this morning. If you're saved, is the power of God evident in your life? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed, and eyes closed, no one looking around. I'd like to, like to ask a couple of quick questions. First of all, do you know for sure if you died today that you go to heaven? Are you absolutely positive that you have been saved, that the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven you of all your sins and given you eternal life because you realize you're a sinner on your way to hell and you trusted Christ and Him alone as your Savior. If you know that for sure, I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just raise your hand as a testimony of that fact. Say, preacher, here's my hand. I know for sure I'm saved because I've trusted you as my personal Savior. All right, thank you. Put your hands down. How many of you would be just as honest and say, preacher, I'm not sure about that. Here's my hand. Would you please pray for me? I would not point you out for the world. I wouldn't embarrass you. Boy, it would be a real privilege to be able to pray for you. Anyone like that here this morning? Say, Pastor, here's my hand. Here's my hand. I, I have questions about that. I'm not sure. Pray for me. All right, you're here this, this morning, and God has spoken to your heart about the importance of having the power of God in your life. And I, I don't know how he's used this message. He uses, uses the Word of God in so many different ways in people's individual lives. But it's been obvious that God's been tr trying to get your attention through the whole message. And just by an up, uplifted hand, you say, Preacher, God's spoken to my heart. Pray that I do that which is right and pleasing in his eyes. All right, thank you. I see those hands. I see that hand. I see those over here. Any others? All right, let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for those folks that raised their hands, said that they were saved and that they knew that you had forgiven them of their sins. There may be someone here this morning that does not have that, have that assurance yet. Uh, Father, they're, they're not saved. And I pray, Lord, that you deal with them and deal with their sin and deal with their hearts about the fact that there is a Savior who loves them and cares for them and that they need to trust you as their Savior and even do so today. Pray for those others that raised their hand that had indicated that they were saved, but Lord, you worked on their heart about something having to do with the power of God in their life. Lord, there isn't anything that's more important for us as safe people than to have that power active in our lives. So that we're not just going through the motions, we're not just, just doing that which is right, but there's some power behind what we do. We, Lord, we're weak. We're just like the Apostle Paul. Our speech isn't good, our, 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 our physical strength is not what we'd like it to be, but Lord, uh, if we've got the power of God, we've got what it takes to get the job done and to please you and to honor you in our lives. I pray for those folks that raise their hand that this morning that they would, they would uh, get some things taken care of, that you deal with their hearts and deal with their, their, their lives. And Lord, may you get the honor and you get the glory through every decision that's made today. 
We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.